Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me Jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In the previous episode, George talked about his backstory. Along the way, he shared his views on how COVID-19 has accelerated digital transformation. This episode continued the part 2 conversation with George and George shared his views on how low-code can enable greater agility for iterating and building complex applications. Let's continue. You mentioned there were four things that is happening at the same time is that we got to deal with people, whether is it the user or the developer of whoever is involved in the projects. We gotta think about return of investment. We gotta think about the technology architecture. We gotta think about compliance. And so coming back to you, so you mentioned about that's why low code can enable all these four different problems to be solved at the same time. Tell us how. So in short again, just to remind low code is getting things done. Let's say at one third or one fifth or one tenth the effort. Plus anything that you can do faster, better is going to be useful. Now, how will it help? Let's say, for example, if you want to check out your how your business strategy is going to get affected with a new plan that you're going to do. I would anytime I do a new initiative, I would not try to write a 200 page spec document and try to adapt. The ideal way is to take a low code utility, build something quickly, mock it up. Show, to five, show it to five people who are going to be stakeholders, verify whether the intended benefit is going to happen. So that's how low-code is helping in business strategy. Same happens with change. For example, when you're trying to change, you should be waiting till the end of the application before you try to change the end users. While the development is going on, you should be showing semi-mocked-up applications to end users and gearing up for the change. And here again, low-code helps because the way low-code is done, you Auto-develop 80% of the application to the users, it'll seem like it's automatically done. It's already ready. Reality is only some few rules and UI is So the change management can also be done in fact. Same with compliance. Now, compliance is essentially, uh, uh, actually it is simple software, but fairly, I call it a lot of work. So you want to build a lot of screens, you want to build a lot of reports. Again, it's not a manual work from a coding perspective. And here also you can deliver more than less. Now, as far as architecture is concerned, now, Every time you don't want to rework the architect for every application, you don't want an architect to come and say, okay, this is going to be the UI layer, middle layer, the back end, etc., and then rebuild and restructure. That's why so many applications are so many Low-code platform comes with this architecture. It's scalable intrinsically, it's cloud-ready intrinsically, it has security intrinsically, and they're getting better and better. So by going into a low-code platform, you're just focusing on the problem at hand, getting most of it done, and completing only the bits that the low-code platform cannot do. So, low-code platforms are changing things, so much so that 
Gartner has predicted that by 2024, 65% of apps will be low-code. My personal prediction is all apps in the next decade will become low-code. And that's why, for example, Stragility is so important for us. We're using Stragility for everything that we do. I believe that over time, more and more complex application gets up and there's definitely a need to use low-code. Now, the interesting part, you mentioned about rapid prototyping. Maybe you can help to educate the audience out there because some of them, they are digital designer or the user interface, user experience designer where they use those kind of like Figma or Sketch Adobe where they pen and paper, wireframe it, draw the buttons and the circles and the gesture to do rapid prototyping. How is that different from, like you mentioned, low-code production? I've done prototyping for a number of products and I found that the biggest problem, as much as it is why it's very crucial, very important, I'm not saying it's not, is moving the completeness of the patient from 80% to 100%. That's a very difficult part because you may draw, draw nice wireframes, you may paint the screens, you may write up, look, this is what's going to happen in this form, this is how the landing page will be. You may get all that and get a nice UI, but you'll find that the first specifications that come from whoever is conceptualizing the application is only 80% ready. And from 80 to 100, you may have to go through maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 iterations before you can get into a point where say you're happy with the application. Handling these iterations are difficult because you've got to get, show the prototype, you get feedback, put that back into the product, show it, write the rules, you go through iteration. And for that, if you use a painted one, the problem is every time the UI designer has to keep painting. So what I would do is rather, let's leave the UI a little down the line. Let us first iterate and prototype how the application would look from a navigation perspective, from a process perspective, from the screen perspective, from the content perspective, from the rule perspective. Then look at it as what should the parts where different roles are going to use the application. So if I have an end user who doesn't have software, I would then take care to make it as user-friendly as possible for them. And if I take it for someone who's familiar with software, maybe I'll just make it a little more simple. But for the application administrator, I'll give a regular screen, automatically generated screen form. And you'll be surprised, 80 to 90% of an application is regular forms. It's only 20% of the applications that the surface where is being seen by the end users. It needs to be beautifully painted. So you're saying that like typically those people who are the UI UX guy, they do wireframe, they do paper form, it's pretty much 80% of what the requirements are. But when you put it into production, means you, you put the code, you put the business logic, you compile it and you host it on a cloud. And then when you finally test it, maybe it's different. That 20% is so crucial that most people, whether they do it waterfall, they age out on those traditional, like get a few developers and code it. That 20% is critical because when you say that, when you want to change, it's so painful, so hard. Yeah, it used to be so painful, so hard. So it wasn't possible. So the approach you took, you take the right one, where you do the UI first at a time when low code was not there. When low code was not there, I would get the UI done first. But with low code there, I can iterate daily. I can iterate 40 times within 40 days. They do only one iterate, do keep iterating till you get it right, then do the UI and then complete. So that's a different approach in low code, which I'm recommending now. And only those who are familiar with low-code will understand or appreciate this because I can literally keep improving the application on a daily basis and do the UI automatically using low-code. Now, let's look at the other side of the argument or the other side of, the, like, there's a bunch of all these software engineers and they say that now we have Agile, we can just code on the fly, we don't really need low-code. What do you have to say about that? Agile is needed for coding, absolutely essential, I'm fully an Agile opponent. We use Agile too. 
It's just that it has to be done in the past where coding is to be done. Okay. Let's take, for example, I'm not talking about simple apps. I'm talking about complex apps here because that's my experience. Uh, yes, help the audience understand what's a simple app and what's a complex app. Just to give us a very simple, let's say yeah. using HR, like leave or yeah. claim, just give an yeah. example. Let's say, for example, you just have a simple app which does just recognizes it does leave application for you in a okay. mobile app. Leave application? There's one screen. Mm. You create a leave application, maybe you can just view your application. Okay. But a complex application is, let's say, a recruitment process end-to-end, -end, where there's a request, then there is a candidate submit, and then you go through a whole process of eight or ten steps before someone is onboarded. That's a complex application. Now, a simple app will, will require maybe 10,000 or 20,000 lines of code. Yes. A complex app will require 300,000 lines of code, 30 times, 50 times the size. Now, when you're doing that, suddenly you're dealing with a lot of complexity. And the problem is, the companies are littered with small apps. The SaaS was popular recently, but it's going to go back to connected apps, larger apps. And that's when, again, low-code is coming to becoming important. Now, therefore, when you want to build a 300,000 line code application, you have a development time. Now, if you don't have low-code, you would be putting a 50-member team. If you have low-code, you could do a three-member team. In both cases, you need Agile. Yes. Agile is still a method by which you plan your work, then you buffer it, and then you introduce it one by one in pieces to, to the team, and the team takes 15-day sprints and complete it. That's still needed. It's just still that the quantum of work is lesser with low-code, because out of the 300,000 lines of code, maybe 260,000 of them would have been automatically generated in, in low-code, whereas in conventional, you're writing almost 200,000 lines of code. So therefore, Agile is needed in both situations. It's just that the quantum of Agile can be done three sprints or two sprints instead of 20 sprints. So you're saying that complex recruitment apps where you have multiple approval, multiple sequences, and 300,000 lines of code, and you need 50 software engineers. Now with low code, you still generate, let's say 300,000 lines of code, but you can do it faster, better with only five engineers. So if it's such a fascinating thing, then why hasn't C-suite executives or corporate leaders begin to try using low code as an approach? So the, the answer is essentially in smaller apps, a lot of low code is there. So you have even Google and Microsoft, everyone's got something on low code. You've got AppSheet for Google, you've got Power App for Microsoft. So lots of apps, small apps getting developed. Now in the big apps, the complex apps, no-code platforms are few in number. Okay, so the names of the companies are names like Mendix, OutSystems, APM, and we like to put ourselves in that category. Mm. Now, such apps are expensive. So Fortune 500 companies, or companies in the US, are adopting enterprise-class low-code platforms very heavily. So take, for example, the way the valuation of these five companies, include ServiceNow, for example. Mm. Just look at the trajectory of the valuation of these five companies. They're not talking about million-dollar valuation, they're talking about billion-dollar valuation. All shot up in the last few years. That indicates how much of adoption is happening among enterprise-class local platforms. Now, they are not concerned, they are excited, and they are giving a try at this low-code enterprise complex solutioning system. As you've also mentioned, they are expensive. Give us a range of numbers so that we know what does expensive mean. Are we talking about a million dollar, a ten million dollar, or a hundred million dollar? I'd like to make it simpler. Now, I can give an example. I mean, right in Singapore, we had a fund management company, mm. and they had got six quotes from six different vendors, all quoting between, say, $200,000 and $1 million. 
when we met the CEO, we said we promised we will do it at half the price of the lowest vendor and half the speed of the fastest vendor. And we did that, signed the contract and delivered. What was expected to take eight months, we did it delivered in two months. So there are a lot of examples like this where all the low-code vendors will show real-life examples where they have reduced costs significantly and time frames significantly. So adoption rates are picking up quite rapidly. Uh, you are saying that re- relative to traditional coding method or system solutioning method, it is still cheaper. So when you mention yours is even cheaper, more cost effective than the existing big brands low code that we're talking about, Mindex, the service now. That's right. So what we do is, so they, they cater to the Fortune 1000 companies, we cater to the companies who don't have so big budgets, but the need is there for everyone. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode. We have come to the end of part 2 with George. In the next episode, we will continue with George on part 3 which he shared his advice on how business leaders going to build a business case for using low-code in digital transformation to the board. On top of that, he offered his view on which industry handles the most number of complex applications. Finally, he will share with us his view on how to enable AI with low-code. Hi guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. If this is the first time you are tuning in, Remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon. <laughs>